Verstappen battles to the field, Alonso has a penalty, and Perez takes the number one spot under the lights in Jeddah this weekend. It's time for the Apex F1 Podcast. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix edition of the Apex F1 Podcast. My name is Ryan, and I'm here with my co-host, Josh. How are you doing, Josh, after this race? I'm a little ticked off at the moment, but it's just, we'll get into all of that. It was a good race, a lot of good battles. There's definitely a lot to get into. You know, there was there was quite a lot that happened in this race. Um, it, w- it was a little boring as far as, like, you know, drama-wise. Um, other than the fact that, you know, Verstappen went all the way from 15th to 2nd, uh, which to me is just an absolute incredible uh, feat of like what he can do. Absolutely incredible to see how strong that Red Bull is with the straight line speed, with the cornering, the turning, everything. It's It absolutely just blows my mind to know like how strong those cars are uh, this season. Uh, but I, I was definitely a little peeved. I, I agree with you with the FIA, but we'll we'll get into that in a minute. Let's let's go over our top three thoughts of the race. Just, uh, you know, like what we thought real quick. Uh, I'll let you start it off, Josh. So my top three things is that I thought Ferrari was going to be able to get some kind of things together. I didn't think they were going to stay midfield, but they kind of let me down. They were definitely just stayed exactly where they qualified and was not very impressive. I think they're going to have a really tough year. Um, my prediction of Piastri falling out of the top 10 came to fruition, which isn't really shocking. Very early on, I think he got a little bit bullied by everybody else on the track for him being a rookie. Or maybe he got a little ballsy on some corners and stuff and got damage on his front end. So we had to go fix that. And just like he never came back from it. He was hanging out with Norris down at the bottom. And then my third takeaway from the race is that Red Bull looks unstoppable. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you on the uh, Red Bull looking unstoppable. It absolutely just blew my mind. You know, Perez, Perez did a really good job with managing his tires throughout the race. You know, he kept a really good gap between him and Alonzo. Um, you know, Alonzo had him at the start. You know, they, uh, they definitely, uh, Aston Martin have an absolutely beautiful car. They definitely have a good number two car behind Red Bull. But I definitely think that they have some issues that they need to work out with. Uh, We can get into that in a minute. But uh, overall, they have really good pace. And I feel like they're definitely going to be one of the most unstoppable teams this season. As long as Max and Perez don't have any more issues with their drive shaft or anything like that. You know, that was a that was a pretty sad thing to see yesterday, but yeah, he made up for it. Definitely. Okay. So why don't we get into the thick of this? All right. So why don't we go ahead and get into our predictions uh, that we made yesterday? So uh, my predictions were that Logan Sargent was going to be a top 10 position that did not pan out whatsoever. You know what? He gave it his best shot from starting last. Yeah, I think he finished, what, 16th or something like that. Yeah, he was all the way up in the 13th battling for that 12th spot. So he definitely made up for his downfall in the qualifying because I I think he would have qualified like what, eight or ninth or something if he didn't get his invalid time. It was going to be a really good run. 
if he didn't get his track time deleted, um, then I'm sure he would have had a better chance of making it through to Q2. It is what it is. And, you know, I think he just has a lot more to learn, uh, especially about with him being in his rookie year and being able to play with some of the big boys in Formula One. This is also a track that can humble you very, very quickly. I've noticed that with a lot of people on the tracks where they uh, they, they have a tendency to have a good first season with these tracks but this is a street course and it is like one of the fastest in the world it can be very humbling so i think that's exactly what happened in his first time out as a formula one racer for williams same with piastri too like what i was talking about earlier piastri you know he he had a really good uh qualifying session you know making it all the way to q3 but you know it was just the, the mclarens this weekend looked absolutely terrible they oh, were struggling gosh. on pace. They had a lot of uh, issues with straight line speed. It, it, it was kept, just bad. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, it must, you know, I hate to say it, but it must suck to be a McLaren fan right now. But, you know, it, it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I hate to be so blunt about it, but that's, I mean, that's just my, my opinion on it. I mean, Ferrari. I mean, we got to call it out there. Yeah. Yeah. Got to call it like we see it. But we, I mean, we love, we love all of our fans, no matter what. Uh, so basically, you know, Sar- Sargent did not get a top 10 position. The podium prediction that I had was Alonzo, Perez, and Verstappen. And it was literally the complete opposite. It was Perez, Verstappen, Alonzo. But because Alonzo had that time penalty that took them 35 laps to figure it out, which is, you know, complete ignorance of the fact of you know what they need to do as an fia uh governing body i don't understand even the announcers or like were like it doesn't give him an advantage he was only lined up like a millimeter off on the left side it wasn't like he was forward or backward or anything it was, he was just off to the left just a little bit and they gave him a penalty for it like i understand you have to hold the same standard for everybody throughout all of the sports but then it comes down to when he took his penalty and literally they stayed stationary for what seemed like to me more than five seconds and the only thing that they didn't like about it was that they the jack or whatever was touching the back of the car and there and somebody was touching it it was like okay come on like he's doing what he needed to do yeah it's you know that's that's sort of like a hard area because you know while while the fia do have strict regulations with you know the grid slot like don't get me wrong. Like, I totally agree. It should have been, you know, a five second drive through penalty, you know, and he, they changed his tires and stuff like that. What I am more peeved about is the fact that they waited 35 laps later from when they signed or from when they did the penalty uh, the first time. And they didn't notice it until 35 laps later. And I, I can only imagine what would have happened if nobody would have noticed it. You know, what if what if nobody had noticed it? But I think um, some of the teams were paying attention to the replay when uh, Alonzo was actually serving the time penalty. They have rules and regulations for a, uh, for a reason. So like when they're doing their drive through penalties, they are literally not able to touch the car until they serve that penalty. Now, what they should have done was, in, in my opinion, what they should have done was, as soon as the, the FIA saw that he served the time penalty, if they did, if they saw that he did not obey the, the guidelines and regulations for it, like if the Jackman, you know, went in the very back and, and 
had it on there to touch it, they should have immediately made him take another uh, penalty right there, you know, following his next pit stop. Instead, they waited until he got on the podium and said, oh, hey, we're going to give you a time penalty. And basically he went through the whole he went through the whole ceremony and everything like that, did all the champagne and whatever. And then for him to get off the steps and be like, hey, so uh, Russell took your third place position. You had a 10 second time penalty. And I'm sure he was peeved about that, too. Well, so I watched the interviews after the race and Russell was like, yeah, I'll take it. But he like even him and his demeanor seemed like he wasn't he didn't agree with it, too. Right. Then they went and interviewed Alonzo and he took it like as as an expert as he is, like the oldest driver mm. out there. He's like, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with the car. We lost like, what, three points. He's like, it's it's fine. He, he wasn't he didn't blame his team, but he was just I did. I did the best that I could. It's their problem now. We only lost three points. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, and I really um, appreciated that from him, you know, just in a good role model type of position. Yeah, it shows his character as a driver to be able to um, understand, you know, the regulations and rules that are in place, but also um, for him to not, you know, cry like a baby about it, you know, even though that's that's basically what he's most famous for. Wow, that's interesting. Will Buxton tweeted, he said, if the FIA is going to penalize teams for doing their own timings on when their car stops and when their crew get to work, they need to install their own timers on the pit gantry so that there can be no debate. Two penalties in two races doesn't reflect well in on the process. Yeah, that's that's a little bit. Um, surely there was time to review the replay and apply the penalty before the podium. <laughs> At the end of the day, it definitely falls on the FIA's um, watch for not stewarding the race properly, you know, and that's that's one of the things that I have a problem with the FIA is that, you know, that they don't some it's it's pick and choose. And I understand the whole concept and it could be I could be totally wrong about this, but this is just how I saw it from when it happened in the race. Like, I didn't understand the whole point of, you know, let them race, but yet you're going to wait 35 laps later until he gets the podium and then basically strip him of it. I mean, I know it's just three points, but you know, that could be very irritating to a driver, especially when they've gone through almost an hour and a half race and that to happen. Yeah. It wasn't the the shiniest moment for the FIA at that moment, but it's it's going to be interesting to see because with that switch up between Russell and Alonso, it puts Mercedes up into this, this second spot for the championship. And at, otherwise, it would have made uh, Aston Martin and Mercedes a tie at 38 points or something like that, I believe. But it's going to be interesting to see the, how the season unfolds, especially if Aston Martin and Mercedes keeps... Uh, flip-flopping spots like this yeah and you know red bull racing uh, currently in the constructors championship you know red bull's got 87 points leading the leading the constructors championship title and you know we have mercedes it's like almost a 40 point gap of, already. Uh, yeah and then uh just behind it is aston martin with 35 points uh they're third in the constructors championship and ferrari with us you know 26 points that's gonna be rough for Ferrari this year. Yeah, it it definitely will be. Another point that I want to make about like our predictions, since that's what we're talking about. I think I was spot on with my Gasly prediction. Gasly finished ninth, and I had him at seven or a little lower, but in the top ten, and then Piastri out of the top ten. I'm really excited for Alpine. I don't know why I like them so much. I think I just like Gasly as a driver personality. Yeah, you know, Gasly is a really great driver. He's got he's got a really big drive ever since he got into uh, you know, Formula 1 at at uh Red Bull. 
And he he I think when he got demoted from Red Bull to Alpha Tauri, or actually it was Toro Rosso at the time when he was he got demoted. But when they switched to Alpha Tauri, like he had something to prove. Now that he's got a better car with Alpine, he has something to prove and show like, hey, I'm a top 10 driver. I have something to show for it and I I could definitely prove it. So, you know, this could pay off for him in the long run. You know, maybe he might get a seat at Mercedes, you know, one day or even at Ferrari if he felt that he wanted to. Let's talk about Verstappen for a second. So this is something that just absolutely blows my mind is he's done this before in Belgium when he he went from 14th all the way to first and I don't understand how he does it it's the same thing with with Lewis Hamilton he's great at managing his tires and that's just something that it it absolutely blows my mind to know that he climbed all the way from 15th and got second and he also got the fastest lap which you know, is without having to make a pit stop or anything like that. He absolutely just has a really good car right now. An amazing And car. it's, you know, it's, it's unstoppable right now. But we'll see when we actually get into Australia and, you know, we start going to Baku. Uh, once we go to Baku, then we'll, we'll definitely see, you know, by that time, how many upgrades from the other teams they're going to have that can match or possibly get better. We'll see. I think that Willem, our guest that we had on, was correct in how Verstappen has moved up. Like, obviously, he's a great driver and has a fast car, but there was definitely some moments where drivers were just just let him drive by it. They're just let him go, like either because they, they didn't know really he had get a, into yeah, it, and they that he they knew that he had a better car. And it was just interesting to see, but he definitely looked really good out there. Yeah, the, I I agree with that. That was that was a huge huge thing. He he did make a good point. It's, it is quite possible that they will move out the way. I couldn't really tell if they did, but I know that Hamilton didn't give didn't give him any any trouble. No. Well, Hamilton was also running on those hard tires when Verstappen was coming past him. I think that Mercedes wasn't doing very well with the hard tires. Yeah, Mercedes tire management was not really the best. Um with Hamilton, can I? You know, you can hear him get on the team radio. These tires suck. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, it was it was just kind of funny. I was like, oh, here he goes. He's gonna complain about his tires again. Did they did they both switch to medium? I know Russell was running medium at the end. Uh, Russell was running mediums at the end, I believe, and I think Hamilton. I think he was on hards at the end. I couldn't I couldn't tell um, unless he started on hards and then went to mediums as well. Let's talk about Stroll and Alpine real quick. So Stroll, you know, had initially they thought it was brakes, you know, all the TV direction, you know, they were looking at it because he kept like pointing towards the front of the car. And, you know, when he pulled over to the side of the track, you know, and, and said like, hey, it's like right there, like everybody kept saying, oh, he's having brake issues. But then we look and there's no smoke coming from it. There's no, no anything that was absolutely crazy that absolutely caught the attention of the viewer. And I don't think they necessarily needed to throw the the caution right there, the safety car, because he was already behind the barrier, but it helped out Alonzo. You know, I think, I think the safety car was... A little bit like the actual safety car was a little bit unnecessary. I mean, granted, a virtual safety car would have done the same exact thing, just not have the car out there. I I feel that because the car was practically almost behind the barrier, they could have just waved double yellows and got it out of the way and off the track and then put it on the little JCB loader and then, you know, put it on the truck and then go. But I guess they needed something else 
to do and kind of like slow down the race a little bit. But oh, I remember your third prediction now. It was uh, what Sanudo. was it? was going to have bad luck at the track and get into it oh. with someone. Yeah, he got into it with K Mag. Yep. He got into it with K Mag. He, uh, I, <laughs> I was watching that that when they were showing it on on the live feed. I was like, oh man, this is uh, this is insane. And I knew that he was gonna come over the radio and just freak out, and he did too. Yeah, he he was like, no. <laughs> so that that was interesting to see other choice words. But <laughs> yeah, he um, for the sake of the podcast, I'm not going to use the choice words. <laughs> I think K-Mag definitely got the one up on Sonoda and he had nine lap old tires, nine lap old tires. And he took off from him right after that too. Like they were battling. He got the pass and just like, he was gone. He was all, see ya. Piastri was good towards the end. I was, I was enjoying the battle with him and Norris and Sargent uh, battling for, what was it? 12th place or 14th place. I think it was lower than that. It was like 16th or 15th or 16th. Yeah, it could have been 15th or 16th, but it was... It was a good one for a little bit. And then, you know, Norris got past Sargent and, uh, well, Piastri tried to get in front of Norris and that was, you know, a good little battle, a little block in each yeah, other, a little tussle between the two, you know, and then, and then they even went on the radio and said to Norris, don't make it too hard for him. And, you know, I could, do you think that's a little, uh, demeaning, you know, you're the number one driver for the team and, uh, <laughs> they tell you to move over, um, overall. It was, uh, you know, it was pretty good. Uh, the the overall uh, Grand Prix itself was good. The only there was only a safety car. Uh, really, shouldn't have been a safety car. You know, we had Stroll and Albin drop out. Uh, Albin was having a brake or mechanical failures, uh, so he he was told to bring in the car. You know, overall, it was it was pretty solid. You know, just it it really sucks for McLaren and and Ferrari. Like they were really lacking on pace this weekend. So hopefully, by the time that April comes around we can we can see some better upgrades and better performance from both of the teams yeah and checo grabs his uh fifth number one yep he grabs his fifth win of his uh formula one career he had uh he had a really good um race and he he thoroughly deserved that win he did such a great job of managing his tires throughout the race good keeping max behind him yeah it, it looked pretty good for for checo this weekend so good job for red bull and their their win this weekend so that's two two out of uh, 23 that they've got so we'll see how many more that they get for the rest of the season i'm excited what uh aston martin's gonna do in the next race in australia yep in australia and uh yeah and so i'm just excited to see what they can do what uh fire got lit up under their ass by the fia just to see what they can bring to the table next race yeah let's hope uh let's hope that there's some better discussions between the fia and some of the drivers because you know that was even a lot of the the other journalists were calling that like a complete and utter failure from the fia and the stewards from uh for handing out that penalty at the very last second of the race so hopefully they can do better next time but until then, Australia in two weeks' time, we got a two-week break. We should have a couple of episodes in between uh, talking about various things. We will go into some more of the technical aspects of uh, some of the aero concepts between all the cars. Yeah, we'll see you next time. 